Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. So when does a year not seem like a year? Well, um, when it's the fall of Roe and we are mourning, observing, I hate to use the word celebrating because nobody's celebrating, um, we are experiencing the one-year anniversary of the Jehu Dobbs decision that dismantled the final trappings of Roe v. Wade. June 24th, 2022, the meteor that we all in repro knew was coming sooner or later smacked into our world. And it frankly feels like, I don't know, a decade ago? Yeah. Decade decade for me. What, what does it feel like for you, Kelly? How long ago was I don't was know. It, it just, I think, like, time ever since the pandemic started has been, like, really weird for me. You know, th- things seem to move much slower. Sometimes it also feels like it's much faster. I think about, like, how, you know, when we first started this podcast, we thought about, like, doing it in person more often. And then, like, the pandemic happened. Well, actually, the pandemic happened uh right right before but like we had talked about potentially doing this more in person and like i think about how much things have changed since the pandemic um but that feels like like that feels like you know an entire lifetime ago but the fall of roe it feels like uh almost this like you know we're in pride month and i think about like queering time and it it feels each month has felt like a year in itself And sometimes the month also feels like a week. It's really, it's really back and forth. But I think like this, this, uh, this heaviness of coming up on this one year anniversary of, um, the fall of Roe has kind of sat with me for the last couple months. Um, as somebody who, uh, works in, uh, fundraising and works in repro, uh, you know, thinking about like Q2, uh, which is like April to, to June, uh, it's kind of been like looming, <laughs> looming over me and and um, my team as we have been preparing for this day for a while and just thinking about even even from last year, like making plans for how are we going to, um, you know, what are we going to do at the, at the anniversary of this? Um, and I think, you know, it thinking about the the time and how how long it's felt is kind of it's kind of weird. It puts me in this weird, like foggy headspace of like both having had the, uh, forewarning, um, being a person who works in repro and knowing that, you know, things were going to happen. Uh, and then at the same time, like once it happened, um, you know, it, it didn't make it any easier. When I was in college, I wrote this um, nonfiction piece about grieving, and um, in it, I talked about like how. Um, so, for for those of you who don't know, on a more personal note about me, um, my mom had colon cancer and um, passed away from that um, in in 2011. And um, one thing was like, you know, when when you're diagnosed with this stage four colon cancer, um, you it's not it's not a good sign, especially not in 2011. Um, and so, but knowing that the potential of that happening, the potential of that, um, not, you know, ending in, um, a death is like not, it doesn't make it easier when it actually happens. And so when I think about the fall of road, knowing for years 
that uh, this is a potential thing that would happen and would likely happen. And even as it was like, I remember June of last year, like waiting every uh, <laughs> every week to see if they were going to drop the thing, especially after the leak in May, like just seeing like, when are they going to choose to ruin my life? I had literally like said that um, people who listened last year, maybe I said it on the podcast, but talked about like, you know, waiting for when they were going to drop this like bomb. Um, and even so, like, there's one thing to process it as a person working in repro. Um, and it's another thing to process it as a person who needs to make reproductive health decisions. Um, so I think like for, for the repro side of me, it's been an eternity, (laughs) but for me as a person, it feels like, you know, just yesterday that this, uh, was dropping. And I think there's still a part of me, especially since like, um, we have been fortunate enough to have some like blocks in place that have kept, um, you know, a- abortion from being even more limited than it was before. Uh, I think it's it's kind of made it hard to believe for the side of me that has to make reproductive health care decisions. Like I, as a person, don't want to believe that my reproductive rights have been taken away from me, um, even though me as a person who works at Repro knows that this is what has happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Like, <clears throat> especially in our work in this space, we inhabit so many, so many spaces. And mm-hmm. the intersectionality of our identities is what really brings the the magic, if you will, to a lot of the advocacy that we and people within our coalition do. Right. I mean, I I work a lot with clergy who their main work every day is not 110 percent centered on repro. Right. Repro is central to the advocacy that we do. But most of these these rabbis and these ministers and these pastors and, you know, these these center leaders are individuals who are helping people live through the realities of everyday life, the realities of grief and pain and loss, the realities of being just ordinary people amid disagreements, both political and interpersonal, and Repro becomes this center amid all these other centers of either grief and trauma and pain, or often hope and you know, determination and satisfaction, most of the time, both of those things, all of those things, right? And for me, people ask, so, you know, how has this last year been? And it's like, I really don't have time to sit and count it out. Like, I don't, I don't have time to do the autobiography of Repro and, you know, Reverend Terry Williams and like the work that we're doing. We are in the thick of it all the time. And in so many ways, I feel like very little has changed in terms of our day-to-day work and our day-to-day activism. We're just doing it in a different environment, right? Like yeah. we're still we're still paddleboarding for our lives. The seas are just very different and full of some ridiculous stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. The geography has changed. I was on a, a training yesterday um, doing our, our self-managed abortion and good faith training. 
And one of the questions that we had asked everyone is just like, what are you doing in your life? What are you doing and planning to do to mark the anniversary in ways that are helpful and healing for you? And a person who was attending um, from out of state and is a clinic worker said, um, I'm taking the whole day off. I'm going to watch rom-coms and eat Ben and Jerry's because I cannot deal with other people expecting me to have something remarkable and insightful to say about one of the worst years of my life. Yeah. And I, I, fa- I found that so profound because it's like, yeah, we, we're, we're sitting in a space in Ohio where, yes, technically things have fundamentally changed, but, you know, big whisper, um, I'm putting my hand in my mouth and like, hey, here's a secret aside. Things really haven't changed for a lot of people who have been enduring this crap for a long, long while, right? Like, mm-hmm. things have not fundamentally changed for black women and other women of color. Thing in Ohio, things have not fundamentally changed for most of the immigrant community. Things have not fundamentally changed for Appalachians, um, trans folk, like huge segments of the population that have constantly struggled to access basic levels of health care, including reproductive health care and abortion. Like, we're just still dropping the ball everywhere as a state, as, mm-hmm. you know, local entities. There's still a huge service gap. And the only difference is right now that service gap is maintained and isn't getting worse because of an injunction instead of a Supreme Court ruling. Whoop-de-doo! Like, now we're just waiting for the next shoe to drop. And at the end of the day, all the work that we do has got to be focused on building the resiliency of communities to care for ourselves and to care for the people in our communities by our communities because if it's not going to build community care it's not going to survive in the future mm-hmm. it, it it is it is not okay for our activism to solely be rooted in work at the legislature the the messed up gerrymandered horrendous no good very bad legislature in ohio <laughs> um we'll we'll write that children's book in a minute right it, yeah. it's also not okay for our activism to solely be in trying to get abortion on the ballot. Now, l- l- let me say, before everybody brings out the pitchforks and torches, like, yes, we want to get abortion on the ballot. Yes, we have worked our tails off. I can't say the word I want to use because we're on the radio also with this. Um, we've worked very hard to get abortion on the ballot. We're going to continue working very hard to make sure that abortion passes by a wide, wide margin in November and that everybody votes no in August. No in August, mm-hmm. yes in November. If if you remember nothing else from this podcast and everything else between now and November, it's no in August, yes in November. But if that's where our activism and our organizing and our work and our passion and our mission for this work ends in in getting legislative or legal solutions to what is very much a, an interpersonal and community care problem, we have failed. So we've got to do all these things and be reliant on community care. We've got to do all these things and keep calling out the ties between abortion access and the need for abolition. We've got to keep doing the restorative and transformative justice work that you have led us in so well and ably, Kelly. (laughs) 
We've got to keep doing the the educated work of moral messaging to get people to the point where they can talk about abortion as a moral issue, as a moral good, with people who are vociferously disagreeing before they even know what the question is, right? We've got to do all of that and more. So, yeah, I mean, just do all the things and all will be well. We're in the same place in many ways that we were before Roe. We're just in a more hostile environment, I think, because so many states have gone either they have gone um, completely down in terms of access, they've gone completely restricted, or they have significantly restricted access. We're seeing people travel from the southeastern United States to Ohio because we have better infrastructure than their states in terms of just like physical transportation to and from clinics and because we have clinics that have appointments. If you would have told me that people would envy the roads and bridges and bus systems of Ohio and our clinic infrastructure, if you would have told me that two years ago, I, I would have sincerely questioned, like, what are you talking about? Because we feel like we are so beset until we take a moment to breathe and look around and realize like these clinics in Ohio have built an amazing network, right? Organizations in Ohio have built amazing networks. Faith Choice Ohio and the Jubilee Fund for Abortion Justice have built amazing networks and they're pretty Cadillac compared to the access in some of these other states. That's why we're seeing people from all of these other places converging in Ohio, coming to Ohio while we have access. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, I'm interested to, to get your take on how the national landscape has changed because we're so focused on Ohio. Like your work with your other job, I just throw <laughs> that in there, like if, when, how, lawyering for reproductive justice, um, mm -hmm. fantastic organizing. Your work in that setting is nationwide and even has global reach in terms of mm -hmm. the interactions. What, what, what kind of experience has the last year been for you looking at just the decimation of abortion access across large swaths of the country? Yeah, I think, uh, so for one thing, I kind of want to go back to what you were saying, like, uh, with, the being asked, like, how are you spending, you know, your June 24th? Um, I, I am, uh, you know, also like that person that you mentioned, the clinic worker, like I, my plans for Saturday are I'm going to go to Otherworld. I'm going to have a great time going out with my friends to, to go see some art. And I'm going to try to completely forget about <laughs> all of the problems in the world because it's, it's just hard to, to, to work in the world and live in the world at the same time. And so sometimes, you know, I don't want to remember that, you know, this was, this is the, the anniversary of like what has been one of the worst years of my life. Um, and, and I also want to talk a little bit about like on a personal level before going out to that scale, like this, um, like I think that something that as a, as a repro worker, I've been dealing with at least is kind of like, you know, talking about how the worst year of our life, like uh, last year, like I thought I was thriving. <laughs> I thought I was doing great, you know, like trying to deal with uh, the fall of Roe and like working. And it was my first year at If When How. And, uh, you know, one thing that I really 
it's 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 a weird spot for me. It's a both and kind of situation. As somebody who works in fundraising, we've gotten a lot of um, support from people, and I think like you know on a national level to to see people actually take our issue seriously. You know, one of the things that we focus on is actually self-managed abortion and letting people know what their rights are around uh, self-managing their own healthcare. And so like we have gotten in the last year so much support for our Repro Legal Defense Fund, which is a fund that helps uh, people who uh, have been criminalized for making healthcare decisions, um, self-managing or uh, being uh, assumed to have self-managed an abortion, uh, we support them in getting freedom and um, and not being criminalized. Uh, and to see so much support is like really great and really validating to me and my work, and I think to the people on our team as well. However, <clears throat> at the same time, um, I am the person who makes sure that the donation page runs, and I'm also the person who makes sure that people get like their thank you letters afterwards, and I'm the person who makes sure that like everything technically works like in the in the back end kind of things and so uh it has been crazy the the difference in the amount of supporters that we had before row and before row fell and now is night and day and and uh it has been somewhat overwhelming too so imagine the world is falling apart and also your job is getting like much more difficult because there is uh more more people who want to support, which is really great, but that also is more of a demand on uh, what we do at um, at If One How. So it's been like both a blessing, I guess, like to have to have our name be known by more people, to have more people supporting the really important work of uh, helping people be free, um, and to uh, be able to be a part of this work is really gratifying. However, at the same time, it has also been like difficult. And I and I feel really grateful to be in spaces where, you know, I can say like, this is overwhelming to me and be met with, Kelly, you should take a day off or Kelly, uh, I see that you're really burnt out. Please don't work right now. Or like uh, one of my coworkers, uh, when I was having a bad time, I was like, oh, I can just like make it through. She's like, I'm not scheduling any meetings with you. And I refuse to like allow you to, to not take this day off. So, um, I think like one thing that I've learned in this last year, I, I thought I was doing really well. And then, you know, I, um, I went on a vacation in October and then I went on another vacation in December and I kind of came back from that. And that was like a bit of a, like, resetting being able to step away from like the problems of the world for a little bit and then to come back and just be like man I was doing a lot last year and actually this is not a pace that I can keep up now that I've stopped um before we before we started recording I was trying to explain this to you to Terry and I said like you know imagine that uh I really don't like peas. And if you like peas, that's fine. We have a whole episode about liver and onions and like that's that's kind of a that's similar thing. But I, episode. <laughs> <laughs> um so so I don't like peas though. And um like it's like last year I was told that every day I need to eat peas. And so I eat the peas every day and I don't have a good time, but I stomach it. And uh like I, I eventually I just get used to it. It's not like necessarily something that I enjoy, but it becomes something that I'm used to doing. And so it doesn't like increase my stress 
more than usual. I, I have a new equi- a new equilibrium, a new normal. And then one day I'm told that I don't have to eat peas. I don't have to eat peas this day. So I'm like, great, cool. I'm not going to eat peas because I don't really like them. Um, and then the next day I have to eat peas again. And I'm like, but I, I really liked my day where I didn't eat peas. And so now going back to that is just like more difficult. Um, and I think this year, especially as we've been leading up to the fall or to the anniversary of the fall of Roe, um, just thinking about it's like I had at a day like or I, that that break, that Christmas break that I had um, and coming back and realizing that like I was running on fumes and that is not a healthy thing to do. And I'm I'm grateful that I'm in a space that I can like choose to care for myself, that my workplace wants me to care for myself. Um, but also, um, it's, it's hard to, to recognize, I think when, when we need to take those breaks. So I'm hoping for all the people who work in repro who are, you know, probably dreading this day and, 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 you know, I think there may be this mixed of this, like, I'm glad that everybody else is on the same page as me, because like you said, not much has changed for black and brown people in the state of Ohio. Not much has changed for um, people who are immigrants, people who like didn't have access to uh, reproductive health care before. Like it's it's we're in the same situation. Right. Um, but it's nice to know that everybody's on the same page and at least we're uh, we know what's happening. So I'm just hoping rest for everyone and, yeah. and a chance to not have to eat peas on Saturday. You know, when <laughs> when the pandemic began, I I have a fantastic therapist who I have been with now for eight and a half years. And, you know, like when you have to transition from one therapist to another, it's it's like serious trauma it's like oh lord you know now you but as it turns out like sometimes people like to retire so uh but this particular therapist and i have been very solid together for a long long while been very helped through that process and when the pandemic happened i had to transition to obviously you know talking via zoom that kind of engagement and i felt very guilty for the first like three to five months of the pandemic and had to process that with my therapist because I felt fantastic mm-hmm. during the first few months of the pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. I I felt like I could breathe. I had time at home where like other people's expectations were not pressing on me. And we had worked through like none of it was work related. None of it was related to my work at the church or, you know, my work with Faith Choice Ohio. None of it was volunteer kind of stuff. And we finally narrowed it down that as a queer person in Appalachia, I walk out of my door every morning with a certain level of pressure on me because of my identity and because of my role in the community. Because I jump out into this community every day and I'm 100% queer all the time. It's Pride Month every month up, up in where I am, right? And because of my identity that grates up against some of the local culture, um, I experience a, a fair amount of pressure. And my therapist gave me this this image of, like, you have experienced diving at a thousand foot level while everybody else is playing on the surface. 
And now everybody is experiencing a thousand foot pressure. And you just feel like this is normal while everyone else is having this horrendous experience. And that is why you feel like you are not as affected as everybody else. And her statement to me was, just because you're really strong and can do this does not mean that you are meant to lift these weights. And I feel like that is the message to every community that has ever struggled in the state to access abortion care. Like these communities are used to it. These communities are, are surviving despite it. These communities should not have to do this. And the other communities that are now joining them in having their access threatened, like upper middle class, white privileged communities, people with extraordinary means, both geographically and financially, um, those communities are now experiencing what they feel is an early onset or you know late breaking crisis. The reality is it's been crisis time for all these other communities for a long while. And those communities should not be in that kind of crisis. In so many ways, those communities are actually better equipped to thrive in this crisis because they've already built the community care networks to get them to survival. What we have to keep reminding ourselves again and again is that we were not meant to lift these weights. These people were not meant to lift these weights. We do not have to make abortion care so damn hard in Ohio. We don't have to do it. We do not have to put barriers in between abortion patients and abortion access, just like we don't have to put barriers in front of trans people and barriers in front of people of color and barriers in front of folk who just want to live in this state and exist, right? We don't have to do that. There is a better way. And whether it's this year, next year, two years from now, 10 years from now, 100 years from now, we will achieve a transformed level of living in this state where people don't have to carry those burdens anymore, where people don't have to carry those fake weights in this process. I don't know if it's going to come a year from now, like, you know, year two of Dobbs, because, you know, now it's just going to be an every year kind of thing. But I know it's coming because I know the power and the strength of the people who are working to bring that day. And we're going to take rest and we're going to take Uh, those moments of relaxation when we can get them because that's how we survive and thrive. But let me tell you, let me tell you, it's that coming back. It's that coming back from vacation. It's that reorientation. It's that moment of, you know what? I'm going to let some of these things go because I am (laughs) meant for bigger and better things than this plate full of peas. Somebody else can eat the peas, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I think like, uh, you know, I think, this this reminds me a lot of like uh, the you can look back. Uh, we'll link to uh, some of the stuff from like when we had the RTJ trainings. I think about like uh, how we get free, for example, and I think about uh, the uh, you know repro book club that we had as well. If you're looking for things to read around this time, um, but I think like this this reminds me a lot of you know Juneteenth was uh, just this week. Um, and uh, thinking about how in the face of adversity, 
uh, you know, my ancestors uh, survived. And I think often about the, like, me being my ancestors' wildest dreams and mm. how, how uh, when, when uh, suffering through that, being able to focus on being in a future where it may not be, like, perfect, but it's not this. <laughs> it's not eating peas every day. It might not be that great, but it, it's it's better. Um, and it's something that we get to choose. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot about like how there have been people who have survived before and therefore I can also survive and I can also, you know, live to this to this better future. Um, but I think throughout that process, we all have to remember to care for ourselves. And um, I, that's actually something I'm going to be talking about at our next community meeting mm. uh, at the beginning of July, the first Wednesday of July. So we'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, but until then, please take care of yourself. Please do something fun. Um, and just, you know, it's, it's hard to survive right now. And um, it has been. Uh, but we're, you know, still here. And I am hopeful for a better future uh, soon. Amen. Okay. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things Repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.